0: I want to speak to you today on growing up spiritually. I want to read from the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to see verses 1 and 2. I want to read from the New King James Version. And then I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I have preached these verses many times. But I just felt that I need to bring this word again. You know, there are so many people that are new. They haven't heard me preach about this, and you're going to hear me preach about it today. But if you have heard these before, then I want you to hear it again with an open heart. If it's new to you, it will be fresh. If it's old, it will be still. So open up your heart and receive. These are very important things that I want to establish here today. Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2. If you have found it, say, praise the Lord. It says therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection everyone say perfection the word perfection here it's maturity it's maturity it, it does not mean not making mistakes it's maturity So we can read it this way. Let us go on to what? Maturity. That's basically what the word means. Let us go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Everyone say foundation. Foundation. That is important. Everyone say foundation one more time. Now you and I understand that the most important part of any building is the foundation. Is that correct? I don't care how beautiful the building looks on the outside. What is important is the foundation. If the foundation of the building is bad, the building will collapse. Is that correct? And... The taller the building, the deeper the foundation. So it's important that we lay emphasis on the foundation, and the foundation of our lives as Christians is very, very important. And these are six foundational truths. That was a foundational truth. These are six foundational truths. That we must come to terms with. We must have these foundational truths at the tip of our fingers. Each of us. Each of us. And I'm going to point out each of them. And I will not take too much time to talk about each. But I'll just give you an overview of each of them. And I pray by the Holy Spirit that you are able to grab a hold of them today. Can someone shout amen? So notice it says, let us go on to perfection. The word there is, let us go on to maturity. In other words, God wants us to grow up spiritually. How many of you would be sad if your child of 15 years old is still acting like a toddler? They can't really talk. They can't really put a sentence together. Uh, uh, They can't even walk. They are naive. They are acting like babies. At this time, they should be able to communicate perfectly, but they are not able to communicate. Instead, they are still speaking like babies. I think no parent will be happy that at the age of 15 your child is not able to walk or your child is not able to talk. There are traits of babyhood and there are traits of adulthood. You don't want to see the traits of babyhood in your adult child. It's going to make you sad and upset and worried. Is that correct? We want to grow in the natural. We want to grow in every area of our lives. We want to grow in our businesses. We want to grow in our ministries. We want to grow in our finances. We want to grow in every area of life. I believe growth is something that everyone embraces. Is that correct? I don't think there's anyone here that wants to be stagnant. Everyone wants to grow. Everyone wants to get better. Everyone at the end of this first quarter of 2020, you want to be at a whole new level. Is that correct? No, that's very true. We all embrace change. We all embrace growth. We all want to be the best at what God has called us to do. And if that is the case, which I believe it is, we also must understand that spiritually, God demands and God expects each of us to grow. It is so wrong to be saved, to be born again, and remain a baby Christian the rest of your life. And the reason why people don't grow is because they don't have these six foundational. If you notice here, the writer of the book of Hebrews, many believe that Paul was the writer of the book of Hebrews, though we do not have a specific name of the writer of the book, but I believe Paul wrote the book. And many others believe that it was written by Paul the Apostle. If you notice here, it says that these basic things or these things are elementary. If you ever want to study anything in university... You must lay some foundational, educational, academic, foundational things in your life from primary school and from secondary school. Is that correct? You can't wake up one morning and become an electronic, uh, uh, electronic engineer or you can't wake up one morning and become a mechanical engineer or a medical doctor without going through the basic rudiments, the basic stuff when it comes to education. And you get those basic things when you go through primary school. Everyone say primary school. school. It's in primary school you begin to learn things that relate to elementary science. Is that correct? You, You get to high school, you begin to deal with introductory technology. You begin to deal with some basic things you need to know that will eventually help you when you get to university Because when you get to university, you are actually growing in your academic pursuit. And you are eventually going to become a professional. But you don't just become a professional without going through the basics. Everyone said the basics. Now, if we understand that when it comes to education, we must also understand that when it comes to our spirituality. The basics are important. You don't build on your uh, educational life without laying those basic educational foundational truths, because if you try to, you won't succeed. A lot of people want to move on to maturity. That's the word again. Perfection is maturity in their walk with the Lord, but they do not have the six basic foundational. Principles of Christ. They don't have them at the tip of their fingers. They don't know them. If you call a lot of Christians up and you ask them, what are the six basic foundational truths of The believer, they don't have an idea of what these basic things are. And the Bible spells these things out to us. And we have them in the Bible. But because they are not being taught and they are not being studied, that's the reason why many can't mature. And you wonder why they act the way they act. The reason is because they are still babies even though they are big on the outside. The reason is because they are still babies even though they have been born again for 20 years. The number of years you're born again does not determine your spiritual growth. You can have someone who is saved for 10 years, but have someone who is saved for one year, and the guy who has just been saved for one year will grow far faster and better than the one who has been saved for 20 years. Because it is not about longevity. It's about quality. Come on now, say praise God. It's not how long I have been saved. It is what is the work I have done in my salvation. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we understand here, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that we must move on. Everyone say move on. Move on to what? Perfection. Tell your neighbor, perfection. Perfection. Say to your neighbor, perfection here means maturity. And maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. It has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with the country you come from. It has nothing to do with the church you attend. Though it does, but why I say it does not is because the church you attend does not determine your spiritual growth if you do not cooperate With the ministry and the word that you're receiving. It is possible to sit under a ministry like this and still not grow. Because it does not depend totally on me. It depends on you too. Come on now, say, God help me. No, this is so true. It does not just depend on the preacher. It does not just depend on the minister. It also depends on the listener. If you are not willing to receive, there is absolutely nothing I can do for you. And it is messages like this. I'm going to simplify it. But it is messages like this and lessons like this that I bring to Bible school students. And most of you don't come to Bible school. So let me use my time here well. Praise God. Because I can do a four-part series. I can do a six-part series. I can do a ten-part series. In actual fact, I can preach this message, this same place, six of them, for the next six months. But let me do it today. In just an hour. Amen. So perfection is maturity. Notice it keeps reading. says, not laying again the foundation... Of repentance from dead works. That is number one. Everyone said number, number one. So number one is repentance from dead works. Number two is and of faith toward God. That's number two. and of the doctrine of baptisms, that's number three, of laying on of hands. That's number four, of resurrection of the dead. That's number five. And of eternal judgment, that's number six. Most people agree that there are six foundational elementary doctrines of Christ. And I heard someone say there are seven. And I tend to agree with those who say there are six. I also tend to agree when I heard there are seven. Just notice it says, let's move on to maturity. Maturity is the seventh. But you cannot move on to the seventh until you have the sixth. The sixth are the foundation. The seventh is the building. Come on now, say amen. amen. So I agree with both. If you say it's six, I believe you. If you say it's seven, I agree. And I believe there is six. I believe there is seven. And I believe the seventh is perfection, maturity. How many of you agree with me that God wants you to mature? Come on now, if you believe it, say amen. How many of you agree with me that God wants you to grow up? How many of you know that God does not want you to keep acting like a baby? Spiritual baby. You're your Christian. Up today, down tomorrow. How many of you agree with me that God does not want you to keep struggling with the same thing over and over again the rest of your life? How many of you understand that it is possible to live a life without sin? Oh no, come on now, don't shut me down, I'm preaching good. It is possible to live daily. It is possible to bring God glory daily. It is possible to stop struggling with pornography. It is possible to stop struggling with with cigarette. It is possible to stop struggling with lust and immorality. It is possible. It is possible to grow out of those things and and get to a place where you are stable, where you are mature in the things of God. It is so possible. Don't let any religious devil tell you it is impossible. I'm here to tell you it is absolutely possible. It is possible to work in the Spirit. And you will certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is absolutely 100% possible. This is when you should say praise God. Not look at me as if you don't understand what I'm saying. It is possible. Tell three people, it is possible. I say tell three people. I didn't say tell one person. So if I say tell three people I should be here, it is possible, it is possible, it is possible. Amen. Tell three more people it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. Absolutely possible. Possible. But how can you get to this place of maturity? How? When you... Do not have these six basic things settled in your life. You will need them. Notice Paul, or the writer, said, leaving these basic things. I want us to read this in, in the Passion Translation. I really like the way the Passion, Passion Translation puts it. Look at what it says. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ. That was a basic. Now, These are basic, these are elementary, these are not comprehensive. Right? Basic. I want to say basic. These are basic. These are simple. (laughs) These are simple. These, These things we ought to know. These are basic. These are not, these are not Bible school stuff. Are you listening to me? Every believer should have these basics. Every born again believer. See, there are messages that you cannot overemphasize. Messages you can't overemphasize. It's it's messages like this. And like the message I preached last Sunday, you can't overemphasize when you talk about offense. You You cannot preach on offense too much. You can't preach on these basic foundational truths too much because you have people lacking in these areas. And the more you preach these things, the more revelation comes to the hearts of people. The more you preach along these lines, the more people come to terms with these things. Because these basic foundational things are important. Because if a believer does not have these basics in his life, there is no room for growth. They can grow. Unfortunately, for the most part in the body of Christ, people are trying to grow by doing all kinds of things. We've come into 2020, and it's the beginning of... Every year that churches all over the world begin to call for a 40-day fast. And I'm not against a 40-day fast. If the Lord wants you to do a 40-day fast, please go ahead and do it. No, no, go ahead and do it. People are going to go for 100 days. Some will go for 15 days. Some will go for, I'm already getting, I got a message yesterday, church is going for 21 days. So it's okay. Maybe we might just go for 200 days. Knock everyone out. <laughs> no, but we may do something. And, and don't get me wrong, you know we fast. You know we fast. You know I, I, I believe in fasting. I'm not against fasting. I truly believe in fasting. But I need you to understand that <laughs> your fasting, your fasting without the truth of the word, it's not really going to do a lot in your life. Are you listening now? So, fast. But um, application of the word is most important. In your daily life. Amen. Amen. You don't just think, oh, I'm going to fast 40 days and I'll become a spiritual giant. Applying God's word. In your life. Guarantees spiritual growth. It's a, it's a 100% guarantee. We, we, there is nothing that can stop you from growing up spiritually. When you take God's word at face value. And you apply the word of God in your life daily. Nothing will stop you from growing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Some people want to fast instead of obey God. And that is sacrifice. Lord, I rather fast than do what you said. Fasting does not replace obedience Amen. to the word of God. You've, you've got to obey God's word. You might fast for 100 days and look like, my God, but, but if you don't obey God's word, you are only going to lose weight. It, listen to me. You will lose a lot of weight. But it won't really help you when it comes to resisting the devil. When it comes to operating in the things of the spirit. Because obedience is the key. Come on now, say amen. amen. Sacrifice is not the key. Obedience is the key. God is more interested in obedience than in sacrifice. And you know what I mean when I use this comparison. Obedience to sacrifice. I'm not saying you shouldn't sacrifice, but in your sacrifice, obey. Yeah. You get what I'm saying now? Yeah. So you don't run off this place and say, oh, Pastor God, we said we should just obey, not sacrifice. No, you sacrifice if you have to sacrifice, whatever you call sacrifice. You know, giving up food, sacrifice. Some of you need to. It's sacrifice for some, but really, that's the way some look at it, but really, are you sacrificing what? You're helping yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're helping yourself you're fasting to help yourself you're not fasting to help God some people think their fasting will move God your fasting moves you let me say that your fasting does not move God your fasting moves you you are the one that needs to move God moved already I say God moved already you, 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 need, you need to move Come on, say amen. Amen. Look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. No, let's keep reading the the, the Passion Translation. Sorry, let's go back to Hebrews 6. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon. I like that. Notice the foundation has been laid for us to build upon, but we need to know what these foundations are. Turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So there are six. I won't say there are six. If you wish, you can say there are seven. <laughs> And the seventh is maturity. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm saying this morning? Maturity. So my emphasis today is maturity. Everyone here, it's required to grow. I demand growth. I demand it of myself and I demand it of you. I demand growth from everyone on the staff. I demand growth from the worship team. I demand growth from everyone serving as an usher. I demand growth from everyone that's working in the ministry. I demand growth. I demand growth from everybody that comes and sits here. That's why I preach the way I preach, because I demand growth. You can't come here and look the same. You can't come here and, 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 and feel comfortable. I'm going to turn the heat on and make sure no one feels comfortable. Set the fire under everyone's behind. And let it burn. And b- some people need to be well done. Come on now. Notice Jesus would say unto us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not half cooked, but well done. And I want everyone in this place to be so well done. That's why I turn the heat on. That's why I make sure the fire burns. That's why we increase the, the heat. And, and make sure everyone is well done. Especially you that's sitting close. You're going to be well done before the service is over. and everyone in the the sanctuary and everyone watching on the internet. Well done. Uh, That's what I want. So I demand growth. I I demand growth from all the Bible school students. Come on now. Say praise God. God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and we see verse 13. I want to still emphasize on that word perfection and maturity. Ephesians 4, 13, it says till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Notice it says to a perfect man. Everyone say a perfect man. Come on, say a perfect man. Perfect. To a perfect man. The word perfect man there is the same as the, as the same used there in perfection in Hebrews 6. To a perfect man, which means to a mature man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. So growing up spiritually is non-negotiable. It's a must. Look at First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. We read from the Amplified Classic. It says, But the spiritual man, that's the same word. The spiritual man here is the same as the mature man or the perfect man. The spiritual man tries all things, he examines, investigates, inquires into questions, and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. Did you get that? Notice, the spiritual man or the mature man can Discern. Examine. Appraise. All things. You need to be spiritual. You need to be mature. To know. The difference. It's very important. We live in such a time. Where deception is running rampant. You need to know what is of God and what is not of God. And it takes only mature people to know this. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, if you look at children, you can tell that they are naive, right? That's the reason why we do everything as parents we can, everything we can to make sure we do not allow our toddlers to handle everything in the house. You don't let them take scissors. You don't let them pick up a knife. You don't just leave things in the living room where your toddler can get access to them. Why? Because to them, everything is food. To them, everything goes where? Into the mouth. That's just the way it is. They are so unsuspecting. They are so anxious, everything goes into the mouth. Many kids have been hurt. Some probably died because of the carelessness of their parents. Is this true? Because the parents left things in the house unattended, and the baby just got a hold of it and stuck it into his mouth, and the baby dies. Why? Because the baby is a baby. And because this baby is a baby... He or she is unsuspecting. He had no clue this thing would kill him. Is that true? But for an adult, when your child is grown up, you know that they can handle some things, even some tools at home. Your child gets to the age where you can actually begin to have them cook. Is that true? Yeah, of course. They begin to cook. They begin to prepare some things at home. They begin to clean. They begin to handle some objects, or even a knife. Right? There's nothing wrong with a knife, but the knife can be a harmful object if it is handled by an inexperienced person. Is that true? So a baby is inexperienced. A baby can't handle a knife because he does not know what it is used for. But there's nothing wrong with a knife. But you you give the same tool, the same object to a mature child, they know what to do with it. The same with a pair of scissors. True? Yes. Notice that's exactly... I mean, I'm I'm trying to show you on a day-to-day basis what people go through. What the scripture is telling us here in 1 Corinthians 2.15. The spiritual man, or you can say the mature man can examine. He can investigate. He knows. He questions everything. He wants to know if this is beneficial or not. But the one that is not mature will stick everything, line hook and sinker in his mouth. And a lot of times it leads to death. We must understand that spiritually, people are affected by what they consume. And you have to be mature spiritually to discern if this is of God or if it is not of God. The Bible says, test every spirit. Everyone a test. How do you test? You can't test if you don't know how to test. You can't try if you don't know how to try. And if you don't know how, it's because you are not mature. Are you listening to me? Test every spirit, try every spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But a believer who is not mature will not know how to handle these things and They might be destroyed. They might be uh, affected by these things. So now let's look at the six. Number one, repentance from dead works. Everyone say repentance from dead works? Now that's important. Paul, the, the writer says, let's get used to this. Let's know this. So the question now is, what is a dead work? A dead work is anything you do as a Christian that tries to add to what Christ has already done. Anything you do as a Christian with the hope of getting better. You're trying to add to what Christ has already done. Like establishing your own righteousness. That is a dead work. Romans 10.3 says to us, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness. Notice, they are ignorant of the righteousness of God, so they try to establish their own righteousness. It says they they, they, they have not submitted unto the righteousness of God. So there is a righteousness of God, and there is a righteousness of men. Did you hear me? There is a righteousness of God, and there is a righteousness of men. In some religion, they'll tell you that when you get to heaven, God will weigh your good against your bad. And if your good outweighs your bad, you will go to heaven. But if your bad outweighs your good, you will go to hell. That is establishing your righteousness. It does not work that way. Can someone say, God help me? No, listen, it doesn't work that way. And and some of you, listen to me now. I know you're looking at me. You probably, oh, I don't think that way. Now, let me tell you how some people think, even some born-again Christians, when they have missed the mark. What does it mean to miss the mark? When they have sinned, they pray to God and ask God to forgive them. But then they get on a 10-day fast. Because they think, if I fast, I will gain God's favor. If I fast, The guilt will leave me. But how many of you understand that God does not forgive you because you fast? You know what I mean? God forgives you because you call upon the name of the Lord. Praise God. You you, you can't establish your own righteousness. You have to take on the righteousness that is available to you in Christ. The Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin that we might become or that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't make yourself righteous. I hope you get that this morning. You cannot be righteous enough in your righteousness. The Bible says all your good works are like filthy rags before God. You you can't give your way to heaven. Amen. Amen. No, that's what the Bible is talking about. This, This is basically dead works of the flesh. You're trying to establish your own righteousness when God's righteousness has been established already. You cannot... Establish a righteousness apart from what God has available to you in Christ. Christ is our righteousness. Amen. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So bind your way with God by good works. You 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 can't. You can't think to yourself that you will go around doing good and giving people money, and that will give you a place in heaven. You don't get a place in God by doing good to people. You do good because Christ lives in you. You do good because the goodness of God is in you already. You don't do good to get it. You do good because you have it already. Come on now. It's important to think the right way. Praise God. So here in Romans 10, Paul actually addressing the the, the Jews. That they were trying to establish their own righteousness and they ignore the righteousness that is in God. And that's what religion would do to people. Religion wants you to establish your own righteousness. You know, it's how good you can carry yourself and, and how, how good you talk and how well you give and all of that. Listen, you can be good enough for God. I said you cannot be good enough for God in your own righteousness. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Did you know that the day you gave your life to Christ, you took on the righteousness and the perfection of Jesus? Did you know? Did, Did you know that there is nothing you can do to make you more righteous? May God help someone to get it today. There's nothing you can do to make you more righteous. You cannot add to the work of Christ. Somebody's getting something. I'm not, I know. Nothing. I won't say nothing. nothing. There's nothing you can do to make you more righteous. The day you gave your life to Jesus you took on the righteousness of Christ. And you know what? The moment you took on the righteousness of Christ, you became as pure as Christ is. The day you took on the righteousness of Christ, you became as clean as Christ is. No, but Pastor Godwell, how can you say I, I am as clean as Christ is? Don't you know what I did yesterday? Do you know what I did last month? Do you know what I did last week? Now listen. If you did anything yesterday or last month or last week, I mean, I thought you would have repented. That's what I thought. Because if I find out that I'd, I've done something wrong, I, I don't want to wait. For two weeks. To say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You understand what I mean? And let me also establish here so that you get it once and for all. What you did yesterday did not delete your righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody's supposed to be dancing on that one. What you did last month did not delete. Did not erase your righteousness. You were born that way. He that knew no sin. Became sin sacrifice. That we might be made. We were made. We didn't make ourselves. He made us. We were made righteous. He made us righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are not trying to be righteous. We're not fighting to be righteous. We're not doing everything we can in our power. Fasting and praying so that we can be righteous. We were righteous and we are righteous. It's a gift. I said it's a gift. It was given So you, the day you gave your life to Jesus, don't try to establish your own human righteousness. Because every time you do, you fight that which God has already given to you. That is exactly what Paul was dealing with with the church in Galatia. And that's the whole reason why the book of Galatians was written. Six chapters, you can read it. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You started in faith. Do you think you can make yourself better by trying to practice the things of the law? Don't you realize that he gave you the Spirit by faith? It's a gift. You came and you received, and it was given to you. There is nothing you can do to make yourself better. Come on now, say praise God. Nothing. I tell you, messages like this need to be listened to over and over again. You need to take note of what I'm talking about. And some of you need to hear this. There is nothing you can do to make yourself more righteous. And you know, when you speak like this, people run off and people say, Oh, the pastor is trying to tell them they can leave anyhow they want to leave, that their righteousness will never be affected That is not what I said. The righteousness that is in you, it's a gift and it is a seed. Come on now, say amen. Amen. And this righteousness in you enables you to live right. See now, it's a revelation of what we have that enables us to live the life. If we don't know that we are righteous, we are going to keep struggling with sin and trying to overcome this and overcome that thought and overcome this and overcome that in our strength, trying to establish our righteousness. No, we are righteous and it's a seed and it's a gift embedded in our spirit. And on a daily basis, we yield to that and we live the life that God wants us to live. Can someone shout praise the Lord? It's in you people. The moment you give your life to Christ, it's given as a gift. Righteousness is a gift. My mom gave birth to me. I came out and, oh, it's a boy. Back then, I doubt they went to the doctor to find if I was a boy before I was born. It was many, many years ago. Today, you can, eh, eh, eh. oh, it's a boy. Oh, it's a girl. Uh, but I came out and boom. Oh, it's a boy. Amen. Amen. And look at me. You can see I'm a man. I was born like this. You know what I'm trying to say. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you were born righteous. I hope somebody gets what I'm saying. Now, listen. Now, I'm not trying to be critical here because there are people watching and there are people that will watch subsequently. But I need you to know, people go to the doctor and they try to change stuff. They try to change all kinds of things. So, uh, they change all kinds of things, and you know. No, you don't know. No, you know. Let's say you don't know. You know, you see stuff, it's all over the place. You know. Uh huh. They change, and the, 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 the man lo- now looks like a woman, and the woman now looks like a man. Huh? But the woman who, or the man who changes his physical outward future still has the gene of a man. <laughs> you, you say, you look at he- him and you say, that's a girl. You go, you attack. They'll show you that they are, they, there's something on the inside that's the man, if you know what I mean. You don't, they don't lose the physical strength. The fact that you change the outward does not mean that the real you changed. You were born that way. The gene is still there. It's genetic. It's there. You can do nothing about that one. You can, you can even change the tone of your voice. You know, they go to the doctor and they, they, they walk on their, uh, what do you call this? Vocal cord there, they work on the vocal cord, and they make it sharp, and make them sound like a girl. There's all kinds of things that medical science does today. And we understand that. So you look at the man, he looks like a woman. But if you, a real woman, tries them in a physical combat, you will understand that they were born as men. Because the real nature is still on the inside. You get what I'm trying to say now? So, when you gave your life to Jesus, I'm establishing the truth on righteousness. You were born righteous. You've got to know this. This is important. This is so important to living a life of victory. This is so important to living a life above sin. This is so important. I'm not here to preach condemnation. I'm here to tell you who you are as a child of Almighty God. And when you come to terms with who you are as a child of God, you just discover the life of Christ just flows out of you. It's natural. You don't force it. You don't make it happen. Every single day, it just flows out of you. Yes, you die to the flesh, but it's easy. Yes, you yield to the Holy Spirit, but it's easy. Because the life on the inside enables you. Come on now. So, don't try to establish your own righteousness. Your own righteousness does not come from, on the, from the inside. Your own righteousness is outward righteousness. What I can do, how I can speak, uh, what I can give, and, 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 and all of that is all outward righteousness that does not affect the heart. But the righteousness, which is of God, affects the nature. The nature of the man is righteous. The nature of the born-again man is a righteous nature. My God. I wish someone was shouting and screaming and jumping all over this place in excitement, in excitement because they now understand who they truly are. That's why Paul said, or the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, we've got to know this basic stuff because a lot of people try to live a life of victory, but they have no idea of righteousness. They think it is what I do and how much I give and, and how much I pray. Praying short or praying long don't make you righteous or more righteous. Praying short does not even make you less righteous. For those of you who can pray long prayers, just to console you today. <laughs> you know, no, just to console you because some people, the moment they start praying, it seems like they took a sleeping pill. That's when snoring starts. Prayer, it's sleeping medicine for some people. But that's not to say I'm encouraging that. But as you get a hold, grab a hold of who you are today in Christ, you will now begin to discover that even your prayer life, it's not, it's not just about locking up yourself in your room and praying for five hours. That your prayer life is it's on a daily, constant basis. Even while you're walking on the street, you are communing with God. Come on now, say amen. The the Bible says to pray without ceasing. How can you pray without stopping? Because your antenna is always up. You are speaking to God and you are listening to God. Listen, prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is also listening to God. Praise God. No, you know, because when you understand your righteousness, now you can work in this stuff. You just wake up in the morning. If you spend time two hours with God in the morning, that's great. But if you don't spend two hours in the morning with God, you know, my God, you just speak to God and you fellowship with the Lord and you pace around the house and you're praying the Holy Ghost and you leave your home and you're talking to God on the way. Because some people, they pray five hours at home, but they don't pray ever again. It's a constant flowing relationship. Praise God. Amen. Now that's not to say don't pray at home. Because the Bible also says that when you go into your closet, you, you shut the door and you pray to your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you how? Open. Openly. Openly. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not saying I'm not saying do this and don't do the other. You understand my point now? Is this helping anybody here? Yes. Why am I feeling heat here? Hmm? Is it blowing heat or cold? is what? Heat? Are you guys kidding me? Come on, somebody shout praise the Lord. Anybody getting anything today? So what is the first? Repentance from what? You know, I cannot, like I told you, I can preach this for six months. You can see I'm still on repentance from dead works. No, think about it. What of, those, what of those who resort to Old Testament rituals now? Do you know that we are now in the New Testament? Did you know that? All the Old Testament rituals. So today, you have some people that are trying to behave like Old Testament priests. The high priest. But my Bible tells me that we are all priests unto God. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A set aside people called forth to declare the glory of him that has called you out of darkness into light. We are a royal priesthood. In actual we are royalty and we are priests. Tell your neighbor, I am, I am a priest. Uh-huh. So, for those of you who think that priests are those who... Let me not even touch that. Some people go to get training to become priests. We did not have to go through any kind of training. <laughs> Praise God. No, really. Some people go get training to be priests. We, we just gave our lives to Christ and we became priests. I am a priest. Not the kind you think of, though. But I am a priest. Every born-again believer here this morning is a priest. The Bible says we are royal priesthood. Now notice we are not, just, we are not only priests, we are kings too. <laughs> Good Jesus. <laughs> I'm a priest, I'm a king. You are a priest, you are a king. Royalty. Priesthood. But you see people now they are trying to resort to the Old, 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 te- old Testament rele- uh, 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 ceremonial practices burning of incense and 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 circumcision and and dressing up like priests you know and now people don't be surprised people will start taking the blood of bulls into the holy holy of holies like like the high priest did under the old testament once every year he would take the blood of a bull into the most holy place and offer the blood of bulls on behalf of the sin of the people of Israel. And their sin will be covered for one year. And he has to go back the next year because the next year he has to do the same thing. And before he goes into the most holy place, he he himself had to purge himself, wash himself, and not meet with his wife, and, and all kinds of things that he had to do before going into the presence of Almighty God And if he walked into that most holy place and if he made a mistake, maybe he did not do the right thing, he would drop down dead. They tied a rope around his ankle because nobody could go into the most holy place if the man drops down dead. So others that are in the outer court, they'll pull him out and, oh, priest is dead. Now, (laughs) high priest is dead. We need another high priest. So they... But remember when Jesus died on the cross? The Bible says that the, the curtain that, was, that separated the holy place from the most holy place was turned from top to bottom. And you know what happened that day? The Holy Spirit came out of that place. He does not live in a building made by the hands of men anymore. The Holy Spirit does not live in this house, by the way. Listen, look look at the four walls. does not live here. You know where he lives? Ah. Huh? Put your hand on yourself and say, he lives in me. Yes. Ah, yeah. So who is the house of God now? We are the house of God. They're not not the, the, the walls, not the building, but we are the house of God. So in other words, you can actually have a church service under a tree. Doesn't change nothing. Come on now, say praise God. You can have, you can have a church service in an open air place. It's still a church. Because the church is not the four walls of the place. The church are the people. Amen. We are the church. Amen. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are the priests of the new covenant. Can someone say amen? amen. And, and Jesus, our high priest, went into the most holy place in heaven. Because you've got to understand, even the holiest of all on earth was a type or a replica of the original That is in heaven. And when Jesus came, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. He took his blood and he was the high priest and he was the Lamb of God. And he took his own blood as the high priest and he went into the most holy place in heaven. And he offered his blood on the mercy seat in heaven once and for all. And when that blood was offered upon the mercy seat at the throne of god in heaven guess what the sin of the believer was erased was completely removed back under the old covenant sin was covered but today under the new covenant sin is not covered sin is washed and erased and atoned for so if you are a born again believer you are you are a priest of god but your sin have been forgiven, and your sin have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. Can someone put their hands together and give the Lamb of God all the praise, all the honor, all the glory? Come on, you can do better than that. Give the Lamb of God praise. The Lamb that sits upon the throne. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He does not come to impute sin. He came that He might take sin away. And when He died on the cross of Calvary, He paid for the sin of the world. And all people need to do is come in faith and believe that their sin has been atoned for. And when they believe righteousness is imparted into their spirit, Jesus is righteous so are we because he gave us his righteousness he did not give us anything unholy anything impure what he gave us was his righteousness but he took our impurity he took everything that the devil put upon us and he made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and so I believe with all of my heart that I can live for God on a daily basis I believe with all of my heart that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus there is absolutely nothing I can do to make myself better there is nothing I can do there is nothing I can do nothing I'm righteous already come on now say amen Amen. you miss it you miss it you repent Lord I'm sorry have mercy on me forgive me the Bible says that we have fellowship one with another, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us. In actual fact, when you say it continuously, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Come on now, say Amen. amen. I like this. I kid, I'm, I'm just going to stay with this today, and let me. I'll continue next week, because this looks to me now like a series. I, w- I thought I was going to say everything today. But it's not so easy to say all these things. So it's huge. It's, it's a big subject. All kinds of things that people do. They try to bring the old, the old way of belief and the old way of practice into the New Testament. And every time you try to bring the old way of practice and belief into the New Testament, you have a clash. Everyone say a clash. A clash. You have a clash. There's a clash. I told you the story and let me tell you again for those who have never heard me tell it. Even the whole thing about binding demons in the air. Today it is so bad that people people think that they can get on a plane fly up there so that they can be closer to the demons. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I'm I'm not joking. This is a practice. They fly up To attack the spirits up there. And I'm telling you, this is happening. Some people even dress up like military commandos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people come with a literal physical sword the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is not physical, it's all garbage. These are the practices that, that, that robs believers of authority and power. And they, they don't know how to deal with the demonic. They don't know how to have victory in life because all of these things are now a replacement of the truth. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is not the sword you buy in the market in La It's not a knife in your, in your kitchen. The sword of the Spirit is spiritual. It is the, the written word of God that you put in your heart and it turns into authority when you speak it out of your mouth. Amen. That is the sword of the Spirit. All kinds of things. That they do binding spirits in the atmosphere. Because you know Daniel prayed for 21 days. And when he prayed the prince of the power of the air. Or the prince of Persia stopped the angel that was coming with the answer. And he he prayed and suddenly the angel came on the 21st day. So for that reason we have to bind all the spirits in the atmosphere. So that our prayers can ascend to heaven. Heaven. And the angel that's delivering the answer will come. You've heard me say, I began to do this, my God. You get saved and you get messed up sometimes by some of these things. Because that's what you learn. That's what you see. That's what you do. It's monkey see, monkey do. So you just learn, bind devils. Every time I knelt down to pray, before I spoke to God, I spoke to demons first. All the demons in the air. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. You will not stop my prayer from ascending to heaven. You will not stop the answer from coming. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. I did that for years. For years. Some of you are not aware of this, so it's okay. Just stay, stay simple. Just stay the way you are. I don't, don't even have an idea of what I'm talking about because it will mess you up. It's a religious thing. So I knelt down to pray one morning. And I said, knelt down as usual. Before I even worshipped. Because you know, there are demons in the air. They are up there. So let's, let's make the way open. The heaven is closed now. Let's unlock the door. Those demons are there. They're waiting to catch my prayer. Because my prayer is about to fly to heaven. And if, I will, if my prayers will fly to God's throne, then I have to bind the demons that can stop my prayer from getting... So in other words, God can't hear until those demons are cleared. You see how stupid that is? No, you, you, you know what I'm saying. So God cannot hear me until I clear the air. No, he can't because God is so way up there in the sky, way up in the third heaven. And those demons that are in the second heaven, they, they, they will hinder my prayer. And God cannot hear until I clear the air. And so I know them. In the name of Jesus, I began. I bind you spirits in the atmosphere when I said those words. You know, the Holy Spirit speaks to us by a still small voice. You know, sometimes people shout, but Holy Ghost speaks softly. When I said those words, I heard these words You bound him yesterday. Who loosed him? I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. I I held my breath. And I, I, I was quiet for a while. Because you know when the Holy Ghost speaks to you. You know what I'm talking about? You bound him yesterday. Who loosed him? Ah, okay. So now, now I was thinking, because yes, indeed, yesterday, or the previous day when I prayed, I also bound that same spirit. And the word to bind is to tie. That was my concept of binding. So I tied that demon the previous day, so I prayed and the answer came, praise God, hallelujah. Next day, I had to tie him again. So as I was about to tie this demon the next day, the Holy Ghost said, but you tied him yesterday. (laughs) Who loosed him? So this becomes a vicious religious cycle where you have to do this daily. Instead of spending time with God, you are spending time with demons. I guarantee you, when I knew that was the Lord speaking to me, from that day till today, I heard this over 20 years ago. From that day till today, I've never spent one moment binding demons before I prayed. Never. Never. I don't have to. It's not necessary. They don't stop my prayer from getting to God. Neither do they stop the answer from coming. Are you listening to me? I know many of you have questions now. Because I was preaching the same in a church in Germany. And I was, I wasn't, my intention was not to preach this, but in the course of ministering, you know, talking on revival, these are some of the things that stop revival. These are the religious things that people do that hinder the move of God, and people don't know who they are in Christ. And as I was speaking along these lines, uh, after the service, the pastor told me not to talk about this again. Yeah, he said, please, I've taught my people to do it. Don't tell them not to do it. I wasn't there to tell them not to do it. I was just there preaching what the Lord gave me. And that's why you had me in your church, so that I could bring, you know? Because you've taught them what you shouldn't have taught them. A lady came here. Uh, one, this was uh, a number of years ago. We were about to start the service. And uh, I guess it was after the service she came and she said, Why don't you guys pray? Before you start the service, you know, some things are done and it's just copy. People copy everybody. Why don't you guys, you know, before, because, you know, before, look, go to some places. Before every service, people are we bind all the spirits in this area, we bind all the devils in this area. So it's just exerting. Unnecessary sweat. Unnecessary (laughs) energy. (coughs) Uh, uh, People see stuff and they do stuff. But they never question. That's why it says the spiritual man judges all things. But he himself cannot be judged. People do stuff because that's what they've seen. That's what they have seen, all, and they just do it. Everyone does it. Everyone, do, let's do it. No, let's not do it because everyone is doing it. Let's do what we know the Bible says to do. Amen. Come on now, say praise the Lord. Amen. From that day I was free. I pray that today you will be free. Amen. Binding spirits, binding demons in the air. A lot of times, it's not even any demon. It's you. You need to be bound. I'm telling you. No, listen to me. You, listen. A lot of times, there's no demon involved in your case. It's you. You are the demon. No, sorry. You are... <laughs> no, really. No, really. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Pastor, Dr. Rodney, you know, the great man of God, our pastor... He said, he said, one day I went to God in prayer. This was, of course, many years ago. He said, I went to God in prayer. He said, Lord, show me the demon that's attacking my finance. <laughs> Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, he told a story. He said, Lord, show me. He went to God in prayer. Show me the demon. Lost Lord says, stand in front of the mirror. He stood in front of the mirror. He said, that's the demon. <laughs> no, because sometimes it's easy, you know, it's easy to blame the devil if we if we don't learn to take responsibility we can easily blame the devil for this and for that but in actual fact most of the times there is no demon involved the demon is the person praying against the demon oh yeah no demon With the way some people live, you don't need a demon. With the way some people behave, you don't need a demon. With the way some people talk, you don't need a demon. Why do you need a demon when you are doing the work well? <laughs> You're helping the devil very well. You don't. The devil says, thank you. Thank you. I've got an agent. Continue. I don't want to waste my devils. Hey, this demon, go to another country. I have some of them in Istanbul. They're helping me doing a good job. Uh, they're they are the ones ruining their lives. They blame me, but I, I'm not responsible. But I let them continue. Let them just keep doing what they're doing. As long as they keep doing what they're doing, their faith will never work. As long as they keep doing what they're doing, they'll never have a breakthrough. As long as they keep thinking the way they're thinking, they'll never see victory. Let them continue like that. They don't need me. They don't need any of you. They are doing a perfect job on our behalf. They are working for us with no pay. (laughs) Satan don't have to pay some people. Just do it for free. Come on now, say, God help me. No, this is the truth. Tendency of blaming demon, this demon, and when in actual fact, there's no demon involved. So I stopped. I repented. I stopped. For over 20 years, I've never spent one minute binding any demon in prayer. Now, do I bind demons? Do I bind devils? Oh, yeah, I do. When? When do I bind demons? When do I bind them? No. They try to mess around with you sometimes. Uh They try to touch your stuff. They try to touch stuff, They try to touch your people. Aha! That's when you, you get upset. To get out of here in the name of Jesus. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible would not say resist if, if God does not know the devil try to put his hand in your pocket. If you know what I mean by that. The Bible will not say resist if God does not know the devil try to put sickness on you. The Bible will not say resist if, the de- if God does not know. The devil try to put sinful thoughts in your head. Resist. That's when to bind. To resist and push back. Satan, you listen to me in Jesus' name. Thoughts like that are not welcomed. I will not tolerate it for one moment. So you get out of this place now in the name of Jesus. Satan, you listen to me. I will not accept any kind of pain, any kind of sickness in my body, not on my wife, not on my children, not in my home. I commend you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You pack your stuff and you leave in Jesus' name. That is when I bind. That is when I rebuke. That is when I resist the devil and he flees from me. The Bible said, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he might destroy. That is when I say, Satan, you're not going to touch my money. You're not going to touch my ministry. You're not going to touch our church members. You're not going to touch my children. You're not going to touch anything that God has blessed me with because you try to take what God has given to me. But in the name name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I resist you. I bind you. I cast you away. You have no place in my life. I have done nothing to accommodate you. So you leave in Jesus' name. And when you speak with authority, when you speak with boldness, when you speak out of righteousness, the devil listens. The devil obeys. He knows that you are a man of authority. He knows you are a woman of authority. He knows you live right. He knows you're speaking by the authority of the living word of God. And he will obey every time you speak. If you believe it, come and shout your loudest praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at, look at Jesus. I mean, Jesus. Jesus. Who was, who was as righteous as Jesus when he was on earth? Because at the time, nobody had the righteousness of Christ. But what did Satan do? Satan even tried to get Jesus. Satan tried to get Jesus. Attacked him. Jesus was not binding spirits in the air. Because there was no need. Satan was already at attacking him in his, in his mind. Do you know that the temptation of Jesus after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights was not Satan standing physically with him? It was all in his mind. Did you know that? So the fight is not with spirits up there. The fight is with the thoughts. When the Bible says, resist the devil, most times it is thoughts not a physical or spiritual demon standing in front of you. There where some people pray. Now you wonder, my God, who? That's why they come with swords. They dress up like military commandos. They, they wear all kinds of things. We're going to fight the devil today. Come with your rope. We're going to tie him up. Come with your gun. Not real gun. Fake, fake, <laughs> fake uh, plastic gun. We're going to shoot. Shoot. We're shooting at the devil. It's, 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 it's an act of our faith. We're shooting. You're shooting nothing. You're shooting nothing. You can, well, you can as well go to the park with all your church members. Run around the park with your, with your water gun. And play. Just know you're playing with your members. You're playing with your church members, hide and seek. I caught you, ta, ta 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 You can do that. I, that, I will enjoy doing that than coming with, with a gun to a church, water gun, shooting the devil. Because you're shooting no devil. You cannot, you cannot attack spiritual things with natural things. Shooting the devil. Shooting which devil? Let's slice him up now. Where's your cutlass? Slice all really just garbage. All, all a waste a waste of time. Put your hand on, on your head like this. Say these words. This is, the this is the battlefield. Say it one more time. This is the battlefield. Is the battlefield. Say it, I win all battles. Win all battles. Right, here. right here. Say it one more time. This is the battlefield. I win all battles. Up here. Praise God. Amen. That's really, that's to be honest what, what it is. I'll finish with this verse, 2nd Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. That's the same word for imagination. And, he- and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now notice, anything that exalts itself against, everyone say against. against. Any thought that comes to you that is contrary to the will of God for your life is from the devil. You catch it and you send it out. Command the stone to be bred. That's against the knowledge of God. Is that correct? And th- what did Jesus do? Did he pull out his physical, natural sword? No. He said it is written. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? Three times. Three times. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Was he the son of God? What was Satan trying to do? Satan was Satan was challenging his identity. If you are the son of God. He was the son of God. He did not have to prove anything. He was. But you know see, Jesus Jesus could have said, yes, I will show you now that I'm the son of God. Stone turned to bread. Any bread eat. Now You don't listen. When you know your identity in God, you got you have nothing to prove to anybody. Yes. You don't prove nothing. I'm going to show you. Show not show nothing. Just be who you are in God. I was telling the Bible school students yesterday, ministry is not a bunch of titles, right? Reverend, bishop, apostle, uh, and all these titles that people put on themselves and. Title with no power. Title with no glory. Title with nothing. It's just a bunch of titles. We don't care about your title. The Bible said the gift of a man will make room for him and bring him before great men. Nobody cares about titles, to be honest with you. Those that care about titles are those who don't have the anointing. Because if you don't have the anointing, that's when you need titles. Casting down imaginations. Bringing every thought into the captivity, to do, into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So all the thoughts that attack you daily, listen, we, we, we live on Earth. The day, we, the day thoughts stop attacking us from the devil is the day we cross over to eternity. The moment we cross over to heaven, OK,, <laughs> no more thoughts that are contrary. Are you listening to me? No negative thoughts ever again. The moment you cross over to eternity, to heaven, the thoughts would stop. But right here, on the day you cross over, you you are still going to have thoughts. And some of those thoughts are not your thoughts. I need you to understand that. They are thoughts from the kingdom of darkness. And these thoughts are sent to take you out of the plan of God thinking, thinking, uh, poverty, thinking, inferiority, complex, low self-esteem, lossful thoughts, negative thoughts, they're not from God. And listen now, the fact that thoughts come to you does not mean you have sinned. Should I say that again? The fact that you had a negative thought or negative thought came to you does not mean you have sinned. Okay? No. No. As long as you have not acted the thought. Thought is a seed. If you let it stay, it will germinate. That's why you need to catch it immediately. You need to kick it out. How do people come into the place of depression? The thought of worry. It's a thought of worry, it's a thought of anxiety. You become anxious. The thought, people people don't understand. It's the the enemy. He's throwing stuff at you. He's shooting arrows at you. And that thought comes. And then you begin to think of how the bills are going to be paid. How this is going to happen. Uh, Last year, 2019, you did not really achieve a lot. This is 2020. Uh, You just wonder what's going to happen. Now you are worried over something you can't even do anything about. It's just 2020. We just started. Relax. <laughs> Praise God. Have you noticed that worry, it's basically thinking about something that, is not even, that hasn't even happened. You're thinking about something a lot of times you can't even do anything about. So relax. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, what? Prayer. And what? Supplication. With what? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. See, praying and supplicating is not enough. Thanksgiving is the antidote for worry. <laughs> Did you hear me? Let me say that. Praying and supplicating are not enough. Thanksgiving is the medicine for worry. For worry, for anxiety. <laughs> Notice, notice, the more you are thankful, the less you are worried. (laughs) When you're thankful for what he has done, your faith grows and worry is dispelled. 2020, you will have reasons because the devil is going to put thoughts in your head to worry, but don't accept any. Your times are in his hands. Amen. He's going to make everything beautiful. Amen. In actual fact, he has made everything beautiful. And you will see the manifestation of the beauty amen. that he has for you. Amen. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Your amen should be the loudest in this place. Every, everything, everything that got you worried and concerned last year. have been left behind. Amen. You've come into a new season. This is the season of change. Everything is going to change in your favor. Oh my god, that amen is very weak. That amen. That amen needs prayer. Everything, everything is gonna work out in your favor. Amen. And as a pastor here, I speak it boldly and I speak it prophetically. That that all the worries of last year they will not bother you this year. Amen. All the con- all the concerns of last year, they will not concern you this year. Amen. I speak over you in the name of Jesus. That, that your best days are here, and your best season is here. I speak over you in Jesus' name, that you will not retrogress; you will progress. I speak over you in the name of Jesus Christ, that even as those negative thoughts come, you will catch them, you will arrest them by the word of God, and you will cast them out of you. And you will rise up to be who God wants you to be. This year is going to be your best year ever. Your best. Your best. My God, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm prophesying over somebody. This year, 2020, it's going to be your best year ever. Now, even for those of you who had amazing things happen last year, now the things that will happen in 2020 will cause those amazing things to fade. I mean, those amazing things that happened last year will be so insignificant to the amazing things that God will do in your life in 20 in 2020. <laughs> Come on, if you believe it, shout amen unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Where where you lost, you will win. Where you were defeated, you will defeat. Where you failed, you will have victory this year. I declare in the name of Jesus that your best years are upon you. They are even here with you. And from this year you shall begin to rise and you will never go down. I declare that you won't diminish, you will increase in the things of God. I speak over you that your knowledge of God will go deeper. I speak over you that the eyes of your spirit will be enlightened and you will know the things that are freely given unto us by God. I speak over you that the love of God will so operate in your life in 2020 and everything you do shall be done by the love of the Spirit of God. I speak over you that you rise up in the presence and the glory of God that on the inside the glory of God shall flow forth and everywhere you go the presence Presence of God shall flow, and many will be blessed and touched by your life as you serve God this year. Get ready to be served, for God shall bring many to serve you, and God shall bring many to wash your feet, and God shall bring many to assist you, and God shall open up doors, and you shall rise up, and you shall operate, and you shall walk in those things that God has in store for you, and great glory shall be made manifest in your life, and through your life, and your family is under God's divine grace, under God's divine protection, everything the enemy meant for evil, God will use them and turn them for good, the enemy will not be able to take you out, the enemy will not be able to defeat you, yes the devil will try, but everything He tries, he will meet with Almighty God, and every time he meets with God, he's going to fail woefully. And so I declare over you, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are more than a conqueror through Christ that loves you. You are going forward. You are not going backward. You are rising up in the things of God. You are building new houses. You are buying new properties. You are buying new lands. You are building new stuff. You are raising up many, many hands across the world oh I'm prophesying you are taking over new territories in the mighty name of Jesus you are buying new vehicles you are rising up in the things of God you are stepping out into the ministry that God has for you you are being raised up to be a solid man a solid woman of character a solid man a solid woman of integrity no one shall be able to stand before you this year God says as I was with Moses so I I will be with you but I declare because we live in the new covenant as God was with Jesus so God is gonna be with you every single day in the year 2020 no waking moment will be a moment of frustration no day will be a day of depression no time you lie down will be a time of frustration and worry because the hand of the Lord shall make everything good and everything will work out in your favor I declare in the name of Jesus you will walk in favor like you you've never known. New doors are gonna open, people are gonna bend over backwards to help you. People are gonna bend over backwards to bless you. New doors are gonna open up to you. You will come in contact and in relationship with movers and shakers of societies and your life will be meaningful this year. For those of you who thought your life was not meaningful in 2019, I declare over you, 2019 was a time of preparation. And all that God has prepared you to accomplish, you shall begin to step into them. And you shall begin to fulfill them. You shall begin to carry them out here in 2020. And I pray that it will just continue to build up. You will step into these things and you will continue to rise up. And you will continue to increase. And you continue to take over new territories you shall build new things you shall own new things you shall rise up and you shall be the man you shall be the woman that the Lord has for you in the mighty name of Jesus and if anybody believes it give the Lord your biggest shout of praise the Lord say I believe it say I receive it I declare it over you today in Jesus name hallelujah praise God Thank you, Jesus.